Eglantine. My very favorite quote in these chapters was this one. Quote, She was perfectly quiet now, but not asleep, only soothed by sweet porridge and warmth into that wide-gazing calm which makes us older human beings, with our inward turmoil, feel a certain awe in the presence of a little child, such as we feel before some quiet majesty or beauty in the earth or sky, before a steady glowing planet, or a full-flowered eglantine, or the bending trees over a silent pathway." As a mother of four and teacher by passionate vocation, I know so well the feeling of awe before the presence of a little child. It is one of my greatest sources of spiritual satisfaction. I also know it as a response to some quiet majesty or beauty in the earth or sky. But I didn't know what Eglantine was. Looking it up sent me on a delightful little literary journey that I will share with you. Eglantine, also known as the Sweetbriar Rose, is a wild, pink, apple-scented rose native to Europe and Western Asia that blooms in the springtime. It is an icon of joy and beauty and fresh life. No wonder, then, that it is featured here and everywhere in poetry. I found three examples I'd like to share, the first two from Keats and the last from Victor Hugo. In Ode to a Nightingale, Keats describes the experience of sitting beneath a plum tree, listening to a nightingale, reflecting on the difference between his own painful heartache and the bird's ecstatic requiem. He tries to absorb himself in this sweet moment and allow himself to be carried away by the nightingale's carefree song. Here is the excerpt with reference to Eglantine. I cannot see what flowers are at my feet, nor what soft incense hangs upon the boughs, but, in embalmed darkness, guess each sweet wherewith the seasonable month endows the grass, the thicket, and the fruit-tree wild, white hawthorn and the pastoral eglantine, fast-fading violets covered up in leaves, and mid-May's eldest child, the coming musk-rose, full of dewy wine, the murmurous haunt of flies on summer eves. In Book Four of Endymion, also by Keats, Endymion dreams of building a sanctuary where he can live with his love, and he describes it thus, quote, Where shall our dwelling be? The rill thou haply mayest delight in will I fill with fairy fishes from the mountain tarn, and thou shalt feed them from the squirrel's barn. Its bottom will I strew with amber shells and pebbles blue from deep enchanted wells. Its sides I'll plant with dew-sweet eglantine and honeysuckles full of clear bee-wine. I will entice this crystal rill to trace love's silver name upon the meadow's face. And finally, I discovered a reference in the poem Erivadnus, a poem by Hugo I am now determined to read in its original French. It is a narrative poem about an aging knight-errant who rescues a princess from her would-be exploiters. If you read 93 with me, you'll recall the opening scene in which Hugo juxtaposes the horrors of war with the beauty of spring. 
It's a device he loves to employ, and he does again here in a delightful way. If, in the woodland, traveler there had been that eve, who lost himself, strange sight he'd seen. Quite in the forest's heart, a lighted space arose to view. In that deserted place, a lone, abandoned hall with light aglow, the long neglect of centuries did show. The castle towers of Corbu in decay were girt by weeds and growths that had their way. Couch grass and ivy and wild eglantine in subtle, scaling warfare all combine. Subject to such a tax, three hundred years, the donjon yields, and ruin now appears, even as by leprosy the wild boars die. In moat the crumbled battlements now lie. I love the idea of the crumbling walls suffering the subtle, scaling warfare of attack by roses. I hope you enjoyed this little literary excursion, and that you are able now, from within your places of holding as we wait out the threat of pandemic, to absorb yourself in springtime sweetness, to build your own sanctuary of love, and to enjoy the subtle, scaling attack of roses upon the earth.